Hi, everybody, and welcome to How Music Charts, the podcast where we explore the dance between interpreting data and making creative decisions in the music business every day. I'm your co-host, Jason, and you'll hear from our co-host, Rutger, very, very soon. This podcast is owned and operated by Chartmetric, a music data company that connects numbers to narratives to help professionals leverage the power of music. Any opinions or views expressed by our guests or the co-hosts on this podcast are his or hers alone and do not in any way constitute the opinions or views of any company he or she works for. To preserve a tone of earnest dialogue and protect our guests, we will refrain from using names of any kind, personal, company, or otherwise, unless our guests have granted us explicit permission to do so. We've got a special one today, and it wasn't even planned. Our guest is Ariel Chichotki, the director of Buenos Aires-based Dale Play Records, and they are at the forefront of the Argentinian trap movement that has hit the 2020s running. If you're thinking this is related to reggaeton, you are sorely mistaken. That genre originated in Puerto Rico and Colombia, and while you see some of its artists participating in trap, trap is its own animal. The American South rap style, known for its much harder sound and harsher lyrical content, has, like many of its hip-hop-related cousins, traveled through the internet to the entire world, and Argentina is now one of its epicenters. Ariel is an experienced artist manager who first cut his teeth managing funk band Superfonicos, then moved on to managing Argentinian telenovela star-turned-pop star Lali. He then moved on to his current role as director at Dale Play and finds himself growing the careers of trap artist Dookie, whose September 2019 hit Goteo has amassed 72 million YouTube views and over 120 million Spotify streams, trap producer Bizarrap, whose YouTube music sessions have amassed over 812 million YouTube channel views, and soulful, harder to find up and comer Nikki Nicole, who commands 3.2 million Instagram followers. Ariel holds a business degree from the Universidad de Buenos Aires and was introduced to us by our friend Zach Bolak. Ariel joined us last month in an initial call as a contributor to a possible article about Argentinian trap, but it was so good that he's graciously allowed us to publish our talk on the podcast. Please excuse some of the New York City traffic you may hear in the background. That was just us enjoying some fresh rooftop air in New York. So without further ado, please welcome to the How Music Charts podcast, Ariel Chichotki. <laughs> So shall we just dive in? How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. I was looking forward to this. I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> I, I don't know if my English will, will come with me or will betray me in the middle of the conversation. I hope not. <laughs> no. no, it sounds perfect. Yeah, you sound great, man. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead. Let's dive in. Cool. All right, cool. Um, so I guess let's let's start uh, with a little bit about you and uh, Dale Play. When did your journey with Dale Play begin? Like, what is the label's story and your story within the label? Okay, <clears throat> the the label started as a as a solution. I mean, the, the label works in as a business unit inside a bigger business, which is a producing and uh, management company, okay? So I, I joined, I started working here in October last year. So where were you before that? And how did you end up, how did you end up in the music industry and how did you end up, um, like what is your relationship with music? The, the, the story is long, I will try to summarize it as, as, sure, sure. <laughs> as short as I can. Um, <laughs> I was a manager of a band as a hobby. These, mm. The members of this band were all session, session players, so they all played for, for other artists. And uh, at some given point in time, I told them, um, listen, 
I want to make a living out of this. So you that, I, I don't know if Supraphonicos, that was the name of the band. I don't know if, Supra, if you are serious about Supraphonicos, but I'm serious about this. So please introduce me to people and, and, and whatnot. And um, so things started working out for me, like I started earning my first dollars, or my first, my first pesos, by the way. <laughs> and uh, at some given point in time, and this is when, when, when I started in the music industry as an industry, at some given point in, in time, these guys started their, their own producing company. Mm. And to, basically to produce in, this, in the studio and to arrange and, and, and etc. And um, so they, they called me, do you want to manage this? And I, say, I said, of course, and I was going to manage the studio. Okay, and they said, okay, the first the, the first project we have is to produce an album for um, Lali Esposito, and I didn't know who she was, but she happened to be a very famous celebrity from a from a series here in Argentina, and she was she was willing to start her own her own musical career. So as things happened to to turn out, I became Lali's manager. And uh, with Lali, we signed a deal with uh, Sony Music here in Argentina, and then we signed with Warner Chapel, and uh, etc. So uh, the the project very quickly became mainstream, with a with a regional and even European reach, also. And um, and I and I was his man. I was her manager. So. <laughs> That's how I started in the music industry, and um, then last year, when no. when our when our relationship with Lali was uh, finishing because of natural causes, um, I I used to I, I did I did know Federico from 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 my job with with Lali, and when the, when he uh, found out that I was free, he he called me and told me. And do, do you want to take care of this? And, and of course, it's a beautiful project. So here we are. Right. And so you're the director, right? What is, what is that? Um, what responsibilities does that entail exactly? Um, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, this is a, this is, this label is not traditional. It's not like okay. like, like other labels. Um, the spirit here and the, the philosophy here is to um, work with the artists and to let them be. Uh, and and before talking about the label, we should talk about the artists, which mm -hmm. of course of course I, I I know you know, but but it's important to say that these are millennials or centennials that. Um, um, it's not that they are not used to rules, but they are used to uh, drawing their their own rules. Mm. Okay, so so we feel we constant we constantly feel that um, they are changing the rules of the industry. Not mm. only not only in the artistic point of view or from the artistic point of view, but from the economic point of view and from the legal point of view. The collaborations, the type of collaborations, the dynamic they use in order to release songs. You, you know about everything, about this. You don't need me to, to tell you. But 
um, the philosophy, the, the spirit of the label is to uh, accompany them in this process. So ba basically, when I, when I used to work with, with Sony uh, as a manager, I felt that the most important part of the label was the marketing, uh, the, the marketing department. Of course, there's a strong marketing uh, compound in, my, in, in our job and, and in my responsibilities, but um, these are artists that are not used to traditional, to traditional marketing plans. And uh, mm -hmm. in, in, in many cases, if you go and tell them, listen, this is a marketing plan and we are going to uh, invest money. What? Invest money? No, everything needs to be organic. So marketing is taking care from a completely different point of view. Um, and I do feel that I have strong responsibilities regarding uh, administration, management, uh, legal support, and of course, A&R. Because ultimately, A&R is what takes our artists to the next level, not, not marketing, it's not a matter. It's not a matter of of, um, of radio and airplay investment. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a matter of creativity, and uh, etc. So right. my my scope is quite holistic. I I must say. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, so you mentioned um, a couple of your artists, like Dookie. In the last uh, two and a half years, mm -hmm. they've gone from like zero to more than 2.7 million Spotify followers. Um, mm -hmm. And like it's, it's similar for all of his platforms, pretty much. Um, what, at what point did you guys get involved? And what were some of the signs that this kind of success would happen? Well, I, I told you part of the of the story. Fede got right. involved with with Duki uh, when Duki was uh, starting, and and I, I think it was his transition from the freestyle and the freestyle competitions to the uh, studio recorded music, uh, etc. Mm -hmm. um, so the idea was to formalize a genre which wasn't formal. At, at all. Um, at what point did we realize that, or, or did they realize that they had something huge in hand? If you ask him, he will probably tell you that from, from moment one. Uh, I think the main, the main boost, and that's when I got to hear about Duki and, uh, and, I, I, and I wasn't here, I, I, I wasn't working here yet, was with Goteo in, in August. Um, the release of, of the song Goteo was like a major success and, uh, mm. and uh, w with uh, uh, over a million streams daily and this song um, and the song charting in the global top 100 of Spotify etc so so I think that was a major breakout. That and what happened with the session, I mean, talking about, not about Duki, but, but about the label as a whole, this song, Goteo, and the session number 13 of uh, Bizarrap with, with Nicky Nicole, were mm -hmm. like mid, mid last year, the top successes and of, the, of, of, of the 
of the movement in Argentina last year. So, so you have like, like, I would say, three exponents of the movement. Duki, or four if you want to. Duki, Nicky Nicole, mm -hmm. um, Paulo Londra, who I, I'm sure you, you heard of, and mm -hmm. probably, probably was. Was is a little bit more, uh, more, more of a rap, uh, uh, traditional rap. Okay. But these are, these are four artists. Now, it's important in order to continue to create this context. Uh, Argentinian music was huge. Uh, Argentinian rock was huge during the end of the 80s and the beginning of the 90s with bands such as Soesterio, uh, Los Enanitos Verdes, uh, I don't know, whatever. Um, and, and then since, since, since mid-90s, that Argentina doesn't have a presence like the one that it's having right now, in, at least in the region. So this mm -hmm. movement is placing Argentinian music again in the rather of the regional ARs and directors and, and people of the, of the industry. This didn't, this didn't happen for the last 30 years. Right. So what is your, I guess, what is your vision for the future? How do you guys envision continuing this growth? Huh. Well, um, I think the, 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 the major challenge, the, the big challenge here is to continue to uh, formalize uh, these artists' activities without, um, without them feeling that we are trying to mess with their music and with their art because mm. they, they are good enough with what they are doing. And the, the fame labels have is I don't want to sign with the label because they are going to mess with my music and they are, they are going to try and tell me what, what to do. And right. I think the, the, the magic of what happened here is that no, no businessman was involved. So um, I think the biggest challenge in order to, to continue to make the, the movement uh, grow is to be able to st stand by it without affecting it, but um, trying to encauzar is the, the, word, the, the word in Spanish, to, you know, to, to yeah, like I'm repeating box, box it in? Yeah, but, but, but boxing everything but the artistic part. I mean, yeah. artistically, let, let them fly, sure. right. but, but legally, economically, etc., 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 trying to have them to wrangle it. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You know, because because um, this happens and and it happens a lot in the movement that you wake up and you have a message from your artist at five a.m. saying this is this is the song I want it I want it released now and it has seventy two features. <laughs> How am I supposed? But but this is the magic that made the movement grow and. Um, you know, Argentinian old school rockers were like very jealous and with with very strong egos and who di who did they collaborate with and how and when and these are guys that they are constantly collaborating with with 
between them and uh, eager to see everybody in the movement grow. And uh, it doesn't matter who owns the master. The master, the master is, is, is ours. We'll, we'll see how we, we will figure it out, which is mm -hmm. at the same time fantastic because it plays the movement where it, where, where it is and it will probably make it grow even further. But at the same time, it's very dangerous because it might bring legal and economic problems for everyone involved in the future. So I right. think I, I think that's the trade-off, you know. And um, mm -hmm. I think there's a, there's a solution for the trade-off, which is finding our our role as businessmen and businesswomen um, we, without messing with the art but at the same time uh, trying to propose new things and to think big and to think globally so that this collaboration which started in the hoods in, in Buenos Aires gets global the same way the Puerto Rican movement did or the Colombian movement did and now mm -hmm. we, you have uh, Rosalia collaborating with J Balvin, uh, Thalia with Anita, etc, etc, etc. Right. So yeah. that's the magic of what's happening. Right. And what, if any, role, and it doesn't necessarily have to play a role at all, but what role does data play within this um, generating, you know, buzz around this movement? Um, I find that um, we were talking about marketing like, like five or ten minutes ago. I think that I find that data is fundamental in order to um, make marketing uh, useful and make it matter. I mean, you, you know, you know, like like marketing is product price, etc., 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 and 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 place, okay. And the the most important part of music nowadays. Is, is, is not promotion, again, this is my point of view. It's not, it's, it, okay, so my, my opinion. Um, it's, not from, it's not about promotion, it's about place. So it's yeah. about where your, your song is played, where, where is it viewed. And, and of course we are talking about playlists, and of course we are talking about Spotify as a major leader in the right. in the digital in the digital consumption of music, okay. So um, to see how a song performed or an artist performs before and after being placed in a in a playlist gives mm -hmm. us constantly gives us hints to try and plan where we want the next song to be placed. So. We use this data, we, we, we use this data to plan ahead. So, so, so we, we use previous data to plan ahead what we want to accomplish with a given song for a given artist at a given moment. Mm. And when, when we talk about artists, we're not talking about the main artist, but we're talking about the artists and the featuring. So if, if I have a song with an Italian, of Duki, with an Italian singer, um, I want to know where is this Italian singer placed, what, what Italian playlist is this, this singer placed right. um, 
in order to try and place our song in this same playlist because that's where the audience is. So I, I think that's the major, the major role um, data uh, plays right now in, the, in our decision-making process. Got it. Um, yeah, so that, that goes, I don't know if you read, so Jason wrote this article about trigger cities. I don't know if you've heard about this concept or blog article. Yeah, I, I, I read the article. It's in three or four pieces, right? We have one for Bogota, one for Buenos Aires. Yeah, I, I read it. Right, yeah. So that, that seems to have a lot of uh, connection to that in terms of data and geography being very closely linked, yeah, even though... But, but sorry but 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 i use geography just as a variable because this is not all sure. this is not only about geography of course which is a, a major variable but but if we talk about a collaboration a crossover between between two different genres um, mm. we we would use the same the same analysis and the same reasoning like yeah. where is this person play, take take for instance uh, bizarrap um, the collaboration with uh, Pequeño 77, which is the one that we released last, last week, didn't have, of course, it didn't have the same treatment as the collaboration with Lalo Ebrat mm. two, or three, two or three weeks ago. And this is, we are not, we are talking about the same artist. We are talking about Bizarrap. And of course, we are talking about one Uruguayan and one Colombian singer. But mm. it's not only about the fact that they are Uruguayan or Colombian. It's the fact that they have very different audiences. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jason, do you have anything you want to add to that at all? Yeah, I was actually really interested, Ariel, in terms of um, when you were talking about um, this very organic experience that a lot of the Dalai Play artists have in terms of the content that they put out. How, it's almost as if like for the bigger artists, I mean, how much does social, do social media platforms play a role in um, kind of like the artists who are already like, you know, really popular versus the artists that you have that you're maybe still growing? And does that, does that proportion change? Because I almost like, for example, for, for Bissarat, because I, I was checking um, his stuff out earlier. He has so many production sessions with all these different artists. Mm -hmm. I feel like he's, he's, his YouTube subscribers are so high at this point, all he needs to do is just like put stuff out. <laughs> and then if we get like, like just large amounts of consumption, I'm just really curious. You know, I feel like someone in his position probably doesn't need social media as much, but, you know, could you talk a little bit about maybe some of the other artists that you have or maybe that aren't as big and how much social media plays uh, a role with them or maybe it's something else entirely, maybe it's live shows, you know, you know, branding opportunities. I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, the, the thing is that it doesn't matter how, how big your audience in social media is, it's never enough, right? Mm. So, so, so you, you have an artist with, with 100,000 followers in Instagram and, and he wants to reach 1 million. And the one that has 1 million wants to reach 10 million. So the, this, this, the scale is, is never, it's never enough. Um, right. What I do think is that... Um, Artists need to be patient and to be um, willing and able to accept this step by step. Now, of course, it's easier 
to reach one million views in YouTube with Visa Rap than with uh, Lautaro, which is another artist of, of ours. But um, it comes a moment when in, in, in Visa Rap's uh, uh, career or, or process, uh, where we are all used uh, to Bizarrap achieving one million views in the first 12 hours. So mm -hmm. that, that's sad but true. Uh, we, are, we are not happy with, with 100 million, with one million. We want, we want three, okay? And the same, and, and the same happens with, with Lautaro. I mean, we, we want him to reach 100,000. Now, of course, it's easier, we were talking about marketing and placement and positioning and etc. Of, of course, it's easier, the, the bigger the audience, um, the, the easier it is to place in, in this or that playlist. But, but again, uh, we, we don't want any playlist, we want Viva Latino. And for Viva Latino, maybe your audience is not enough. So the... the the scale is different, but the conflict is always the same. It's how you make your, your artists grow. And if, if I had the answer to that question, <laughs> we, would have, we would have 50 or 100 artists, not, not eight or nine. Um, but I don't know if I, if I answered your, your question. <laughs> no, no, you did. Um, that, now it makes me uh, wonder this. is For all your different artists, how are you able to differentiate their audiences? Because I'm sure there's a lot of overlap, but I'm sure there's a lot of differences as well. So how do you go about uh, doing that? Um, basically, there's the easy question, and there's the easy answer and the, and the difficult answer. Now, um, it's easy to differentiate it. It's easy to differentiate between Nikki, between Nikki Nicole and Bizarrap and, and Duki. Okay, because uh, even even though Nikki Nicole started as a trap artist and um, she gets along rather well with trap artists, she's not a trap artist, and 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 you see it not only in her songs but in the audience. And if you go to data, you'll see that I don't know, um, sixty or fifty-five percent of the audience is female when talking about Nikki Nicole, while if you, while if you analyze um, Bizarrap or Duki or even Replic, which is a, an artist we, we have as well, um, you'll see that 80, 85% of the audience is male. Mm. So it, it amazes me uh, the proportion of male audience in drop artists and, and the fact that uh, Nikki Nicole has very different um, distribution of male versus female gives me a hint that she's not a trap artist. She's she's something completely different to that. Huh. Now, in, in in the case in the case of Bizarrap and uh, and Duki, uh, they, they probably have a lot of overlap um, of overlap audience, um, and. I'm, I'm sure that the fact that their collaborations are constantly overlapped as well, because they collaborate more or less with the same people, uh, even makes this situation even deeper. Do, do you know sure. what I mean? Now, 
I don't think there's a need to differentiate audiences in, 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 this, in this case. I mean, basically, one person can listen to Pizza Rap and to Dookie, and there's no competition in that sense. I mean, mm. there's, there's plenty of time for, for everyone and for, for, for each artist. I mean, I, I don't see that as a threat or as a problem whatsoever. Mm. So I guess zooming out a little bit um, and talking about Argentina within the Latin American and global markets, um, how important is the life, the live space? So like touring and concerts um, with regard to Argentina. But two, two different perspectives. On, on the one hand, I feel, and this is again my personal opinion, that in the, in the live space you see the truth about an artist. Um, because an artist is not only a singer uh, or is not only a producer, uh, it's, something, it's something bigger than that. It's supposed to be, and again, I insist, this is my personal point of view, an, sure. artist, should, an artist should be an entertainer. Okay, so I, I mean, how, how, how many fantastic singers are out there that, um, that, that do not have uh, big audiences? And, right. that, that, uh, and that, that doesn't make him or her a bad singer, it just, but, but, but he's not an artist. Right. Okay, so I think that the, the moment where you see the artist and the artist is the singer, the producer, if he produces the performer, the, the entertainer as a, as a holistic, uh, it's, it's, in the, it's in the live event. Mm. Now, at this, uh, and, and, and here at, the, at Dale Play, we do have this strong spirit of validating what's happening in the streams with the with the live event not not only for for business reasons but for strategic reasons and for placement mm -hmm. reasons the fact that um uh the the artist as an influencer not influencer as a as what with but, but as someone sure. that can, can makes you can can make you reach a a message okay right. so, so we do have that spirit and, and this perspective. At the same time, this is a movement that started basically as a studio movement. And uh, mm. while everyone was saying that the recorded music was uh, over and, that, and, and all the artists touring and, and going on tour and, and whatever, and you have the Rolling Stones with, I don't know how many years old and still touring because they don't sell records and because they want to do it, of course, but, but at the same yeah. time, you had a whole movement of people, not only in Argentina, but the Latin genre as a whole, um, which, um, which proved that there's a business behind streams, um, yeah. and, and, and not only for the record companies, for the artists who are starting to become producers, uh, phonographic producers at the same time as well. Uh, and this is the, the change in, in, the, in the paradigm, okay? So in my own perspective, in, in, or in my opinion, the live event is very important because of the reasons I, I told you just before. But 
this is my opinion, and there's a whole bunch of artists that do not perform live, which have very successful careers. And, mm -hmm. and furthermore, if you go to YouTube, you'll find YouTubers, and we're not talking about music anymore, but you'll find YouTubers who never, never done a live presentation and have millions of millions of millions of views without making live presentations. And, and you can't say that their career is not successful or that it is not true. It's not real. It is real in a different platform. Mm -hmm. but, I, but, but, but I'm a believer that the, that the live event is, is very important. Sure. So I, it, it sounds like organic growth is really important to you guys. Um, all of your, I mean, all of your biggest artists have grown a ton in the last, just in the last year. Mm -hmm. How much of that is, um, is like a very, you know, strategic, um, driven growth? And how much of that is just like capturing what's already happening there? Um... If I was clever enough, I would tell you it was all strategic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, but 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 again, that that will be that will be unfair. Of course, right. of course, of course. We, I mean, who who as a businessman doesn't doesn't think of a strategy in order to conquer this or that or that market? Mm -hmm. But but. In, in any business and in music even or in entertainment even more you never know what's going to what's going to happen with a particular piece of piece of art and uh, you might have you might have the best song and it's not the moment of the artist to release it and uh, so nothing happens and you might have a crappy song with a great artist and something happens or you might have the good luck and the chance of having the great song at the particular moment where the artist needs it and something bursts. Uh, but, but nobody knows that uh, before, before time. A while ago, someone, somebody told me the, the, the job of the people in the industry is to make the best of our artists with the resources our artists deliver to us. Um, mm. So, so I think it's definitely a synergy between strategy and uh, and art and doing the best possible with with that, but with absolutely no guaranteed results. Uh, but we are we are always planning ahead and pushing afterwards for things to to happen. Um, mm -hmm. Now, the thing is that this, the places where you need to push are apparently changing because we are not pushing or, or we are rarely pushing radios to play the music. Uh, radios play the music because something is happening digitally. Uh, so so that's, that's where, we, where, where we push. Uh, we are constantly depending on the output of our artists uh, we are constantly planning, and I think it's a mixture of, of all of this. Hmm. Great. Um, so I just have one last question, unless you have anything else, Jason? Cool. Um, 
Cool. So this will be a big, sort of a big question, but um, and it's totally fine if you have uh, nothing to say about it. But for artists and or professionals who might not be super familiar with the Argentinian or the South American markets, are there any general insights that you can share regarding marketing music there? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the thing with with Argentina is that it it was and it's it still is a huge gate to the to the region. Okay, so so you have Mexico and for the last part of the of the of, of the, for the last years Colombia gaining, but but Mexico was a big place for uh, live events and for live presentations. In the mm -hmm. up north, and probably Argentina plays the same role down south. Okay, so so if if you wanted to conquer the the Latin region, I would mm -hmm. probably I would probably focus on on those two those two territories. And mm -hmm. now Argentina, and this is a whole new conversation, but Argentina has a, a long story of up and, of economic up and downs. Mexico right. is a little bit more stable, so it's mm -hmm. a little bit more interesting as a market, economically speaking, I mean. Mm. Um, and of course, it's, uh, I don't know, 100 million people against 40 million, 40 million which, which we are here. But sure. So it's very interesting as a market for life and for everything. But mm -hmm. Argentina, from a marketing point of view, is still, still important. To, to deliver content then to Chile, to Peru, to Bolivia, to Paraguay, to, to the southern cone. Southern cone. And uh, of course, then you have Brazil, which is a completely whole new continent inside, <laughs> inside yeah. Latin America, uh, that, that if you have a marketing insights, I would like to, <laughs> to, to hear them. But, but, <laughs> but, but, um, Argentina, with all its up, up and downs, it's, it's still a very important, I, I feel it's still a very important territory. And with Argentinian trap in the, in the position it is now, and what's, what Argentinian trap is meaning to the Latin movement, I think the bet doubles up. Um, basically, that, that would be it. If, if, you, if you want to have a, a strategy as a non-Latin artist, and maybe as a Latin artist, but as a non-Latin artist, if you want to have a strategy in Latin America, you should definitely have uh, Argentina into, into account. Definitely from a marketing and a positioning point of view. Right. Well, cool. I think that's all I have, unless you guys have anything else. No, I, uh, this has been a really great talk. Um, I, yeah. I would love to keep up a conversation because I think you have a lot of really cool things to say, and I really like the philosophy that you have at Dale Play. It's, it sounds really, really great for the artists, and I think it's really nice to see. Yeah, nice to hear. Nice to hear that. Nice yeah. to meet you guys. It's been a you pleasure. Uh, hope to talk to you soon. And so that was Ariachi Chotki, director of Dale Play Records, at the forefront of the Argentinian trap movement and based in Buenos Aires. If you want to get in contact with Ariel, you can check out the podcast notes to look for ways to reach out to him. In the meantime, feel free to start a free account with Chartmetric at chartmetric.com. 
and check us out on any socials at Chartmetric on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Take care, everyone. In the meantime, be safe.